mall this week. I was sitting in my office um, Thursday, and I was trying to put the finishing touches on a new series, and, and uh, we'll get to it sometime. But I got a phone call from a, from a fellow that I used to pastor, and uh, he said, he said, Pastor Brian, I said, yeah. He said, man, I've got problems. I said, okay. And he began to talk about uh, being in a place where he doesn't hear about how good God is. Uh, he doesn't hear about how great God is. And he said, he said, you told us this. He said, is, is that really right? And I'm like, well, yeah, you can't. He said, well, you know, uh, he actually heard someone say, you know, if you walk with God and you decided that you weren't going to walk with God anymore, that now you're no longer worthy to ever come back to the Father's house. And, and I'm like, oh my gosh, man. You know, I, I fought every instinct to tell him to run, <laughs> run fast. Um, but then the Holy Spirit started dealing with me and he started talking to me about how many people don't really know how much God loves them. They don't know it. Now, hopefully you in this church know, but if you don't, that's what we're going to talk about for the next few weeks. Uh, we had an instructor when we were in Bible college, and his, his statement was always, teach the God side first, and then the man side's easy. And, and, and what he meant by that is that if you teach God as being a miraculous and being a healer and being a that, then it makes faith in that easy. You see, what we've all done and what we've been trying to do with religion for so long is we've tried to tell man how to live, tell man how to act, tell man how to do things, tell man how to love God. Folks, we are incapable of loving God without God. Uh, I'll prove it to you in a minute. You can't even love God. You can't love your neighbor. You can't love your friends. You can't love your family. You can't love anybody without God. So this series is titled The Love of God. Matter of fact, a few weeks ago, I quoted a, 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 a verse from an old hymn called The Love of God. Uh, if you haven't heard that, that hymn, go listen to it. All right. Uh, and it is probably one of the most solid Theological songs I've ever heard. I mean, it, it's just there. But it, and then, so Thursday night, about eight o'clock, I scrapped everything that I had been working on and started over and started fresh. And uh, and I'm excited today about what God wants to show you about Himself, about what He wants to show you about Himself, because you're going to struggle. If you don't understand him first. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 35, we'll start there. He said, I'll give Rich time to get there. He said, the one, then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And this is the first and great commandment. Verse 39. He said, and the second one is like this, is like it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. Now, now here's the next verse is a complete transition of what God was really bringing through Jesus. In verse 40, he said this. He said, on these two commandments, 
hang all the law and the prophets or the word of the prophets. The problem is, is we don't look at our Bible. We don't read our Bible. We don't look at even the law. We don't even look at the tough scriptures through the viewpoint of love. We look at it through the viewpoint of judgment, through the viewpoint of anger, through the viewpoint of wrath, because God is wrath. And, and I always say, but you got to understand, even God's wrath is done in a state of love. How can, so what does it mean? How can you be wrathful and loving at the same time? Then that should tell you that maybe God isn't as furious at you as you think he is. Oh, mercy. See, all of the law hangs on the word love. Everything, all God's commandments hang on the word love. And so the requirement of all of it, and as difficult as it sounds, is you will never understand God if you don't understand how much he loves you. Amen. I don't care what mysteries you uncover. I don't care what great things you think. Until you truly understand how much God loves you, you will never understand Him and you will always struggle even with dealing with people in your own life. So, in, and, and so when we understand how Scripture is, we understand it will change even how we read it. We'll, 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 we, uh, we've forgotten that God loves you with an extravagant love that you can't even imagine. How many of you love your children? Okay, good. If you don't love, if you don't have children, maybe you love somebody else's children. I don't know. Isn't it funny that we somehow think that God doesn't love us as much as we love our own kids? I've actually heard people say it. Well, you know. <laughs> See, extravagant love, folks, it's, it's a passionate love. That's how God wants you to love you. And, 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 but you'll never love God extravagantly until you know he loves you first. So that's what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks is just the love of God. Of course, in that song it says, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong, it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. So you have to experience the love of God. I don't know what your relationship with God is like. I don't know if you're on the verge of saying, forget all this mess. I don't know if you're just like, man, this is all it is. But today, I want you to show you how much God loves you. First John chapter 4, verse 19. We don't have a whole lot today. I say that every week. I'm just going to quit. First John chapter 4, verse 19, out of the message. It says, we though are going to love, love and be loved. First we were loved, now we love because why? He loved us first. You see, the only reason we can love God, the only reason you can step into a relationship with God is because He loved you. He loved you whether you loved Him or not. He loved you whether you were, <laughs> He loved you whether you were looking for Him or not. He hung on a cross and, and, and took man's twisted sense of justice whether we asked him to do it or not. Oh, come on, folks. See, you, we don't understand this love that went ahead of even the foundation of the world to make sure that your sin would be completely eradicated. Before mankind ever fell, before Adam ever was deceived, 
and partook of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, God had already made a way out of it. See, his love for you goes ahead of you. It doesn't come from behind you. But the thing about God is he's always he's coming from behind you too. See, you were designed for a passionate, life-giving relationship. You're designed for a love affair. And God is always the initiator of this love. He will always initiate love for you way before you ever decide to love him. So, folks, we love, King James Version of that says, we love him because he first loved us. Well, why do I love God? Because he first loved me. When I was unlovable, he still loved me. When I was doing the things that I shouldn't be doing, he still loved me. When I was walking through a mess and I was uh, made a wreck of my whole life, he still loved me. He never once has tried to escape. We couldn't love anything more than we love than we love with God. And the only reason we find ourselves loving God is because he decided to love me first. There's not a thing in this world you can do to make him stop loving you. First John chapter 4, verse 16. Well, I don't know. I believe there's a time when God just quits loving us. He can't. God cannot quit loving you. Yeah, but I know some really bad people. God can't love them. Yes, he does. But they're doing all this stuff, and he still loves them. And until people understand that God loves them, you will never be able to win their hearts and their minds back over to God as long as they never know that God loves them. <laughs> we have come into, this is the 416, we have come into intimate experience with God's love. And we trust in the love he has for us. See, there's a problem a lot of times. We don't trust in the love he has for us. I don't know. I just don't know if God will love me. But I've done this. And I've made this mistake. And I've made that. God can't love me. See, the problem is, is we've got to come to an intimate place with God's love. Where we understand and we begin to trust his love. Here's the biggest step of faith you'll ever take. The biggest step of faith is not to be healed. The biggest step of faith is not to have a great big giant bank account. The greatest step of faith you'll ever take is the moment when you decide that you will trust that He loves you no matter what. And that can be difficult. That can be difficult because we have been taught that, well, I'm not trying to go back into shame. Shame on you. Shame, shame, shame. Didn't do that. And we carry more shame than we carry love. And now, let me tell you, I, I don't have time for it. I could have taught just everything out of first John 4. We're just not going to do that. He said, and this, and we trust in the love he has for us. God is love. God does not do love. See, if God did love, then God would have the choice not to love. But God doesn't give himself, God doesn't give himself the choice not to love. So his whole being 
love you, because if he chose not to love you, then he would choose to completely go against his own nature. Man, I don't know what the universe could hold up to that. God didn't give himself an out. See, that's what we do with our relationship. We give ourselves an out. I will love you as long as. As long as you do everything right, you do everything the way my way, I'm going to love you. As long as you do this, you do that, I'm going to love you. God didn't give himself that option. So he is love. He doesn't do love. So no matter what you find yourself in the middle of, know that God is love. That would be a t-shirt. Whatever I'm in the middle of, God is love. <laughs> but, 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 see, we want to argue this. And we want to find some way for God can't love me if I'm doing this. And God can't love me if I'm... No, He can't help but love you. It is who He is. He, again, I say it. He doesn't do love. He is love. And because He is love... We have an intimate relationship with this love. Our problem is, is we don't trust in this love. Amen. Oh, all right. I'm trying. I'm going to try and get out of this verse. There's so much. And we trust in his love, in the love that he has for us. God is love. I think John was really trying to grasp something on here because in, in verse 8 of this chapter, he says the same thing. It's not coming up. In verse 8, he said, for God is love. In verse 7, beloved, let us love each other. For everyone that loveth is born of God, but he that loves not does not know God, for God is love. <laughs> Those who are living in love are living in God. Not just living in love for somebody else, not just living in love for our partners and, and our, our spouses, or, or not just living in love for, for, for uh, our children, but living in His love. I'm inviting you, or actually He's inviting you, just to come on in. I had a vision one time. Bree and Reese and I was, was, was in a, where was we? We was in Pittsburgh. And I was laying on the floor and I was just worshiping. We had went over to uh, uh, see Tim in a, in a service. And, uh, and, and, and Jesus stood before me and he opened his heart. I mean, I saw the pierced place in his heart. And he just grabbed that pierced place and he, he opened that heart up. And he said, come in here. So the next thing I know, I walked through this, the, this, the opening in, in, in Jesus' heart. And y'all okay with visions, right? I walk into this hole in Jesus' heart and he's standing beside of me. That's the weird thing about God. He's everywhere. I'm inside of him and he's standing here beside me. And I look inside his heart and all of humanity is in there. Everybody. Now, wait a minute. Trust me. They're all in God's heart. <laughs> and, and, and the thing about it was, is now the, the, the place where he opened it up, it is massive. I can't even tell you how big this is. This incision was, and there's so many people standing and they're just looking out of the incision, and out of the incision in his heart, it was total dark, it was total black. And they're 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 crying. And there's such a feeling of being alone. 
isolation was the exact word that Jesus said to me. And I said, well, why? Why? We're in your heart. Everybody should be just rejoicing. Everybody should be happy. And he said, because as long as you're always looking outside the wounds, you'll always feel isolated. And that's what so much has done to us. We're always looking outside of the wounds of the heart. Our heart is wounded, so we're always, our view is always looking on the outside. And as long as we look on the outside, we will always feel isolated. But the moment you know that no matter what wound has happened in you, no matter what has been done to you, no matter where you have found yourself, that you are firmly hidden in his heart. And all he, Jesus told me, he said, all they have to do is turn around and see me. That's all they have to do is turn around and see me. And they'll know where they are. And all the isolation is gone. And until we know that, and until we learn to trust in the love he has for us, we're always going to look outside the wounds. And we're always going to feel separated from him. And he is always going to be over there. And we're always going to be over here. And we have this idea that never the twigs shall meet. See, the nature of God is love. Love us always seeking an expression for itself. What do you mean? If I love thee, let me rephrase that. I love thee. Go <laughs> catch those little things. I love thee. And so what drives me is I want to express it. Whether it's a, a kind word, a kind deed. A, a kiss on the cheek, a do something, or, or whatever it is. See, God is always looking to express his love for you. But until you trust that he is coming to you with only one motive in his heart, and that is love, we don't understand. We think God is coming to us with ulterior motives. His only motive he has for you is love. I've been accused of preaching this too hard. Brian, it can't be that easy. I didn't say these words. He did. God is love. That's his word, not mine. And God designed us in his image to be the recipient of this love. Folks, God does not tolerate you. He's not just putting up with you. He's not waiting for you to get your life straight. Poor little bud. Poor little dummy. He's not tolerating when they finally get it right. I love them like nobody's business, but until they... No. He loves you like nobody's business right now. He's not waiting on you to get it right. He's not waiting. It's a whole lot easier to, to get it right and to do right and to stay right when I rest in the fact that if I make a mistake, he's still going to love me. Mm. Love is where he is. God, you know, God loves you as weird as you are. He loves your uniqueness. He loves your faults. He loves your failures. Come on, honey. He loves you in all your blemishes. He loves you when you're awake. He loves you when you're asleep. <laughs> you were made for his pleasure. Oh. Uh, now wait a minute. I'll show it 
Philadelphia scripture just a second. That you're made for God's pleasure. You were made for God's enjoyment. You were made to be company to God. This is who you are. Revelation chapter 4. He loves talking to you. He loves walking with you. He loves touching you. He loves everything about you. And this is what we're going to start out this year with. Nothing but love. That's why there's six foot letters at the bottom of this hill. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For all things are created by your plan. Whoops. Let me, let me go back and reread that. That didn't come out right at all, did it? For you created all things, and by your plan, they were created and exist. Now, King James Version actually comes out better in this. It says, they were created for your pleasure. That word pleasure does mean plan, but it also means enjoyment. <laughs> See, the, 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 that's why I like Ted to go back and look at all the original writing because they pick. When you go back and look at the whole definition, oh mercy, it means pleasure. It means will. It means plan. It means desire. It means enjoyment. So God says to you here, He said, you are worthy, O God, to receive glory and honor. For by you all things were created. And for your desire, and for your pleasure, and for your enjoyment, and because of the plan that you had, then in you all things were created. You were created in God's plan. You are part of the magnificent plan that He has for this earth. You are part of His enjoyment. He comes to company with you. He comes to have pleasure with you and have an intimate relationship with you. He told Jeremiah, he said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Your relationship with God started way before you took your first breath on this earth. Your relationship with God didn't start the day you decided to pray some prayer. Your relationship with God started before you ever were a gleam in someone's eye on this earth. He told Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. That word know means to have an intimate knowledge of. He knew you well. And he said, guess what? I got a plan for you. There was a place and a time in heaven in February of 1969 he turned around and looked at me and said, I've got a plan for you and I'm going to put you into another place for a little while. Well, how do you know he did this? He had intimate knowledge of me. See, our whole human existence is trying to get back to the place where we remember where we actually came from. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Everybody good? See, our whole existence is pushing us to remember who we really are. And we came from his heart. And out of his heart, he said, I've got a plan for you, and I'm going to place you on earth. Why? Because you're going to bring me so much joy. You're going to bring me so much. I've enjoyed you here. Now I'm going to watch you change the earth and change the atmosphere there. And I'm going to enjoy while you change things around. You are my design. You are my plan. You are my pleasure. 
had an intimate knowledge of you, just like he did of Jeremiah, before you were born. And just because you came into this earth, he didn't change his mind about you. We got this idea that somehow God changed his mind about us. And now we have to work to try to get back into his good grace. Sorry, man, this stuff messes me up. We've got this idea that we have to work to get back in his good graces. The thing about it is, he put you here due to his pleasure. Now he's just waiting on you to wake back up and remember who you really are. And get back to that relationship that you always had. Yeah, but how does God really feel? <laughs> I, you know, it all sounds pretty. Folks, God is passionate about you. This love is extravagant. Amen. I love the Song of Solomon. Anybody ever done a good study of the Song of Solomon? I had to be here as order. I might have to do that one time. I've got about 16 weeks of teaching we can do. The Song of Solomon is really just a metaphor of God's love and Christ's love for his church and how he really feels about you. And, 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 and so I want to read you a scripture, maybe two, out of Song of Solomon. And you've got to understand, this is written to the church from God's heart. Song of Solomon, chapter 4, verse 9, is probably my favorite out of the whole one. He says, For you reached into my heart with one flash of your eyes, I am undone by your love. My beloved my equal, my bride. King James Version, he says, my sister, my bride. That, that word sister, that's where he brings about, that's why the passion is translated that equal. It's that equal relationship. This is how God feels about you. With one look of your eyes, you capture my heart. The moment you come to me with those, I'm telling you what, when, I, when one of my kids comes to me and they back those eyes, even my 18-year-old, six-foot-one son back there. <laughs> Let me tell you, one of your kids looked at me and backed their eyes at me. It does something to me. Why in the world do we think that God feels any different about us? The ones that came out of him in the first place. The moment you look at him and you flash those eyes, he came undone. He is undone with his love for you. For you reach into my heart with one flash of your eyes. I am undone by your love. My beloved, my equal, my bride. Listen to this. I love how the passion translates these words. You leave me breathless. I am overcome by merely a glance from your worshiping eyes. For you have stolen my heart. And I am held hostage by your love. And by the graces of righteousness shining upon you. Now, King James Version says, you have ravished my heart. <laughs> that word ravished, in the original language, it actually means to steal one's heart. It means to be made complete. God's... Awesome power just went through my head. God looks at you right now and says, you complete me. That's how God feels about you. Without you, he doesn't feel complete. 
time, and, and, and God asked him, he said, do you know how hard, and God told him, he said, do you know how hard it is to only want to love your child, and at the mere sight of you, it causes them fear, and they run. Because somebody's told him he's a mean God. He's a bad God. He's wrathful and judgment. He's fear and trembling. He's fierce in his love towards you. He's passionate. This and this. Reese, can we bring that up again, please? This is how God feels about you. Is that the first part of above? I go, yeah. Through you reach into my heart. With one flash of your eyes, I am undone by your love. My beloved, my equal, my bride. Go ahead, brother. <laughs> you leave me breathless. See, now if we, talk, if we start teaching people that's how God really feels about them, they wouldn't run from him. You leave me breathless. I am overcome by merely a glance. Of your worshiping eyes. Go ahead, Bob. For you have stolen my heart. I am held hostage by your love. By the graces of righteousness shining upon you. That's how God really, God says that word. And I love the King James Version. It says, You have ravished my heart. Ravished. He said, You've made me complete. You've stolen my heart away. Yeah, but, I, but, but they're not living right. That's still how he feels about it. He can't change that. <laughs> see, religion has taught us to see God, to see love, to see our bridegroom as demanding, as trying to discipline us all the time, as angry, as distant. But did you know that God will pursue you whether you want him to or not. He's going to chase you down. Whether you want it. He already did. He already did. We're like a wildebeest trying to get away. The wildebeest doesn't get away from the light. Well, some of them do. I've got to get caught eventually. He's coming up. Now, wait a minute. See, we, we've got this idea that God was mad at Adam in the garden. God wasn't mad at Adam. He wasn't angry at Adam. Matter of fact, remember he says that God, in, in, in Genesis chapter 3, around verse 9, he says that God came down in the evening and said, Hey Adam, where are you? He couldn't hide from God. God's omnipotent. He's everywhere. Omnipresent, omnipotent. He's everywhere. He's on the, he, he knew where he was. He didn't say, you blew it. I'm leaving. No. He meant, they blew it. Well, let's go get them. <laughs> That's always God's heart. Adam, where are you? It was man trying to hide from God. It was never God trying to hide from man. Yeah. Uh -huh. 
So you've got to do some scripture on the hot from him. He doesn't run. He doesn't get mad. He doesn't get disgusted. Matter of fact, he loved them. Oh, well, he put them out of the garden and all that stuff. He loved them too much to leave them in the shape they were in. Well, that was punishment. No, it wasn't punishment. No, that was punishment. He took them out of their house and he made them homeless. And, and that, no, he didn't. He gave. He gave mankind the earth. He just put them in another room. <laughs> He loved them too much to leave, let them stay in the situation they were in. Ooh. See, and even when we sin, he's still pursuing you. Restoration is always God's goal. God did. Put in my hands. Done. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. God's love can't be quenched for you. Everybody good? Uh, I think you're taking this too far. It's who he is. We can't take it too far. Everybody breathe. Well, you're, you're just excusing everything. I didn't say that at all. That's what you decided to take away from this. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man has come for one thing and one thing only, Perry, to seek and to save that which is lost. They're not lost to Him, folks. God knows where they're at. They're lost to the mindset of who they are, where they came from, who they have always been. God came to seek and save all that was lost. That word seek, it means to search for something that is valuable. That's what Jesus is going to do. Something that is precious until finding it. Now, the last part of this definition reminds me of a story, and I'll give it to you in a minute. When we first moved here, I was excited. Not that I'm not excited now. But we were, you know why? Being a good Southern West Virginia boy, the only place we got White Castle was when we came to Columbus. <laughs> I love White Castle. And when we first got here, I bet we hadn't been here just a few weeks. I typed in the GPS because I had to go to Zanesville. Oh, they said there's a White Castle in Zanesville. And I think all I told me, I'm craving White Castle so bad I can't stand it. I'm on my mouth. I'm cruel. I'm a, I've got to have it. I gotta throw some sliders in my mouth. I mean, it, it was it was bad, Kevin. I wanted those White Castles. I drove all over Zanesville and trapped to the building with a oh, no White Castle. I typed in and said, Well, this is saying there's a White Castle there. So I followed this road and went out to try to walk the one there. Well, they said there's another one. So I, I I went after it. See, I had one thing in mind that I was gonna satisfy my craving. Oh, I found it. It's right here. So I take, I don't even remember what road to go. I can't remember the roads around here yet. So I take this road, and it takes me way out in the country. I'm like, what in the world? Where's this taking me? It's 
winding road and taking me back on top of this hill. I'm like, this is some little airport. What like, in the world am I? All I want is White Castle. Well, I found the White Castle. It's their refrigeration storage back here on top of the hill between here and Tankville. See, my craving, I, you know what I ended up doing? I ended up coming back on the respects and getting old frozen ones out of frozen. See, my craving fueled my desire, and my desire fueled my search. The last part of the definition of the word to seek, it means to crave an object that won't be satisfied without catching it. Jesus says, I have come to search for that which is valuable. You are my craving and I will not be satisfied until I catch you. I'm talking hours I searched for a white castle. The reason I'm alive. <laughs> Why in the world does my craving for a white castle think that it is going to top God's craving for you? He will go to whatever means necessary. And then he says, the word save. He came to seek and to save. That word, everybody in this church probably knows that word, sozo. To be made whole. That would be awesome if that was all that word actually meant. So he came to pursue that which he craves. And he came, now the word sozo actually means to save. It means to keep safe and sound. To rescue from danger or destruction. To save a suffering one from disease. To restore to health. And I'm going to stop right there. Because that's about all we ever know of sozo. Anybody, anybody know what sozo is? Anybody had a sozo session? It's a type of, okay, spiritual cancer. All right. This is what he, this is, Jesus said, the Son of Man has come to seek, to desire, to hunt for, to crave, and will not be satisfied until he gets, and to save, to restore to health, to, to uh, uh, re replenish, to keep you safe and to sound. And the last part of that word, sozo, the last part of that word, save, it means to deliver from the penalties of messianic judgment. The one goal of God and it is his craving, his desire to pursue you, to keep you healthy, to keep you safe, to keep you sound, and to keep you from judgment. And he won't be satisfied until he has captured you because with one look of your eyes, you captured him. Glory. Hey folks, the lost sheep he was out doing sheep stuff. It was, the, the shepherd wasn't even a thought in his mind, but the sheep was always a thought in the shepherd's mind. So what did the shepherd do? He pursued. The lost coin had no ability for itself to be found. He just laid there on the ground until the woman began to sweep the room to clear every obstacle out of the way until she would find the coin. 
See, we've told people that sheep come back to the shepherd. Coin, you jump back in my pocket. It doesn't have the ability. We didn't have the ability to jump back in God's pocket. We didn't have the ability to get his heart. So when we couldn't love him, he decided that he was going to love us, that he was going to crave us, he was going to desire us, he was going to push us, and he was going to find you no matter where you were, who you would be in, or who you'd been there with. That's God. You didn't have the ability to do it anyhow. Romans chapter 5 verses 6 and 8. I think I'm done. You know what's sad? You know what's really sad, Paul? Is we can tell that this has become a heavy message. It's solemn. It's quiet because we're trying to filter all this other stuff through our head. We're trying to justify this and we're trying to justify that. And we're doing all of this rather than take the word of God for what it actually says. And so this is, for some reason, become solemn. This is the party, folks. This is the joy. This is the good time. This is why we have banners and flags and shofars and paint and, and twists and turns and hops and guitars and, 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 and all that stuff. Romans chapter 4, 5, sorry, verses 6 through 8 from the message. I love how the message puts this. Christ arrives right on time to make it happen. Why? Because we couldn't. We're like the sheep and the coin. We couldn't do it ourselves. So Christ arrived right on time to make this happen. He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. <laughs> he presented himself for this sacrificial death when we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. And even when we even if we hadn't been so weak, we wouldn't have known what to do anyway. How do I save myself? You don't. You didn't. You so did. I, 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 I saved myself. No, you didn't. <laughs> Breathe. We can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for. And we can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to selfless sacrifice. King James Version of the next verse says, and I find it hard to quote it anymore because I've quoted this one for so long. Now let's go, go to this one. But God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatever to him. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. And he did it and he offered forgiveness without your permission. The greatest commandment, Jesus said, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, strength. 
But you can never really love him with all your heart until you know that you have all of his. And we can never really love him with all of our strength until we understand that his craving for us drove him to satisfy all things that we decided. And you experience this by one thing. Experiencing this kind of love. Trusting the love he has for us. One more. Can I give you one more? Let's go back to 1 John. 1 John chapter 4. I think I want to go to verse 10. This is love. He loved us long before we loved him. It was his love, not ours. He proved it by sending his son to be a pleasing sacrificial offering to take away our sin. That's what that word, if you're reading the King James Version, that's what that big giant word, propitiation. It was a pleasing. Now I want to do something different. When I, when I started studying this, and after I got off the phone with that gentleman on Thursday night, Roger Rabbit. See, my, my mind works in cartoons. <laughs> but the movie, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, went through my mind. And he writes a, a poem for his wife. And he's jumping on the bed and he says, How do I love you? Let me count the ways. And then he starts counting one, two. And so I started, I said, Lord, wow. How do I love you? How do I love you? And I went to an old sonnet that, of the name, How Do I Love Thee? Let me count the ways. And I said, Lord, that's not what you want to say. He said, no. And so he took me to a children's book. And for just a minute, and I, this is the, absolutely, I'm closing right here. I want you to just close your eyes and listen. let me read you a children's book. And this is what God says to you. How do I love you? Let me count the ways. I love you as the sun loves the bright blue days. I love you as the bee loves a fragrant flower. I love you as the duck loves a sudden shower. I love you as the bird loves a song to sing. I love you as the waking bear loves the smell of spring. I love you as a cat loves the windowsill. I love and, and I love you the way dancing snowflakes loves a winter's chill. How do I love you? Let me tell you how. I love you as the nest loves the sturdy bough. I love you as the beach loves the sandy shore. I love you as the ancient world loved the dinosaur. I love you as the wind loves its own sweet sound. And as our friendly earth loves to spin around. I love you as the moon loves each shining star. I love all that you will be and everything you are. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your love that is so much greater than anything that we could ever imagine. Father, I repent. Forgive us for not declaring this love to the world. <laughs> And so, Father, today, as we start out a brand new year, let it be a year 
that we realize how much you love us, how far you're willing to go for us, and how you will never leave us wherever you find us. Thank you, Father, for reminding us of the relationship we had before time began and that the relationship we'll have in the very end. I thank you for all of this, Father. I give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.